like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. that happened this weekend that we didn't expect to happen and um, to get all this appreciation from you and uh, to have all these people gather like this and, and including all the bands and all the musicians that we respect and uh, and then but really it's it's all your people um, my uh, our friend Mark Arm was telling me he had a walkabout today, and he saw, you know, people from all over the friggin' planet out here, and uh, Argentina, and Norway, and there's a flag up there. I just can't tell what it is. Uh, but it's good to see all the colors out there, and. Uh, you know, colors are, are meant to be blended, and that's uh, some. And there's Spain, uh, there's Japan. Uh, it's a bit overwhelming, but in a really, really good way. And we thank you. We thanks. Thank you for coming all this way from wherever you came and being part of this and making us. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking Cameron in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast if you tuned into the episode last week it was pj 2091 how do we follow that up well gee we're not stupid we're gonna do the second night of this shindig because it was a big celebration and there was sort of kind of a a cliffhanger there all this happened and then the next day you kind of need to find out what happened on the next day so here we are to tell the, these stories, told a lot of stories on the last episode. It'll be a much more positive experience. We won't be talking about milk. We won't be talking about taking face plants on the Alpine Valley grass. It's just not what this episode is. This is all positive, positive in this one. So welcome, everybody. Randy Sobel over here. John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. John, I want to wish a very special entity a happy third birthday happy third birthday goes out to live on four legs podcast because we started this on september 7th 
2018 was our first ever episode and uh yep. that we still stand fuckers that's a pretty cool thing huh that is pretty cool and you just had a birthday too right happy birthday to you actually the day that this comes out yeah is my birthday so right. yeah uh, thank you and and uh yeah it, it, i kind of we didn't plan it out this way to begin with. And I'm like, you know, we need something good to happen on my birthday. Cause it's going to be a couple more years before there's going to be a show on my birthday. So might as well do something that I was at and something that I have very good memories of. So yeah, why not celebrate yeah. the show's birthday, celebrate my birthday, I suppose. And, and your birthday next week. So nah, whatever there's a, there's, there's a lot to celebrate and there, there's no whatevers. I think everybody gets their, their moment got, in the sun. And we got shows coming up quickly. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Because my wife said to me earlier today, she's like, Hey, next week is see here now. I'm like, Oh no, it's not. It's the week after next. She's like, no, we're in next week. Yeah. <laughs> Literally next week is see here now. Holy crap. What? There's so much going on. And on top of that, we're, we're trying to bang out content for the website too, and trying to get that up and, and, and going and, and, and get new stuff out for you guys, which there will be a lot of see here now related stuff coming up in this week and next week. So please live on four legs.com bookmark that stuff. Cause you never know what's going to come up. You never know when it's going to happen. Very excited. And as far as what we're going to be doing on the podcast, I, I, I think we're just going to, I need to enjoy just being at a show and being there and, and helping the shore stock festival and then going and, and just enjoying the show itself. So I don't know if we're going to be doing anything like really extracurricular for this one. I think we might hold off a little bit, but we will do a post-show report that we will do yeah. at least. It's going to feel good to like actually have shows going on when the podcast is active. Cause like you mentioned, you know, you guys did that first episode three years ago, right after Fenway and there have not been any shows since then. This is the first one. This is the first one. And it's kind of amazing to say that. Uh, but yeah. also it is very cool that we've kind of gotten this far and it's all kind of meeting and intersecting at the road at the right time. Because, you know, it, it, if it had been in 2020, we were at a different position in, you know, when Gigaton came out and who knows what could have happened then. But I feel, I feel like there's going to be a lot of very cool stuff going on. And if you are going to New Jersey, if you are going to Asbury Park, we hope to see you there. Mainly, really hope to see you at Shorestock. That's happening on Friday the 17th at the Saint. And uh, that's going to be a really cool event. Money going to charity, theprojectmatters.org. You guys should definitely come in, go to that. But also, I think we're going to have like our own little, uh, dare I say, booth at, at, <laughs> at See Here Now. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, Anthony was able to kind of manage something for, for the Project Matters. And, and I think that, uh, you know, just keep, keep an eye out for the live on four legs flag. If I'm holding that around somewhere, you, you know where to gravitate towards because yeah, we'll, we'll be around. We'll at least have somewhere to go whenever there's, you know, in between a band or something like that. So yeah, I like very excited for all that. I'm just very excited to see everybody and, and just get some music in me. Cause, uh, it's been a very, very, very long time friends. Very, very, very. I look, they could play like Mary had a little lamb and all that shit. And I'd be, you know, crying up a storm. Yeah. Well, it's going to be emotional. Yeah. So, um, but you know, speaking of emotional, uh, you know, this show that we're doing today 
from a band standpoint and from where they were 10 years ago, pretty emotional for them. I think there was some moments in here where they were really able to reflect and look back and be like, wow, 20 years, that is a really big deal. And now we're 10 years later and it's 30 years and we didn't really properly get to celebrate it with them. And I guess what this weekend and maybe even Ohana Encore is, is, is that celebration, whether it be, you know, blatant or not. Yeah, I think it was it was Jeff or Stone in the interview said we're on pause right now. We're stuck at we're stuck at twenty nine and a half years. <laughs> they're 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 just gonna wait in these shows, and then when the when the tour comes back, hopefully next year, they're gonna they're gonna get to celebrate and let that all go. But yeah, it's gonna be oh, it's gonna be something. Yeah, I wish I you know you're gonna be lucky enough to be there. I wish I could go, but I'll get my chance next year. Yeah, and and hopefully, look, you know, the next step is getting the arena shows back, and and hopefully there's some additional dates onto those arena show tours. Uh, obviously, there were a lot of different places like Philadelphia and Boston that they hadn't hit, Chicago that, that Atlanta, they weren't hitting. Atlanta, Atlanta. Well, I'm talking about places they usually go. <laughs> Ooh, that hurts. That hurts. <laughs> well, don't worry, Texas blow, ain't getting blow, blow. shit either. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, this might be turning into something bigger than it originally was. And obviously, Europe is still on the books for next year, too. So things need to kind of happen one domino at a time. And people still need to be vaccinated and be safe. And uh, those COVID numbers need to keep falling down, which are not happening right now. So once they happen, then we can start really talking about this discussion. Okay, day two. Day one was a little sour. I don't know if you got that notion from listening to the last episode, but there was some little little bitterness here and there, and I'm not apologizing for it, but that's just sort of how I felt then. But I have very, very good memories from night two. It was just, just walking in there, a completely different experience, seeing just the sun in full effect and and it being a beautiful day all the side stage bands doing what they were supposed to do and going to see everybody and just like there was no there was no stress about it you know the the, the night one it was all oh when are they going on when is this gonna happen we're waiting around for so long and and this is just hey there's a band over here and look, when they're done, there's going to be a band over here. And you just you just fell in love with the music again. And, and it was from that experience, I think, so much more enjoyable. Yeah, I think night two. And, you know, we, we, we've got a, a fan forum coming out where we talk to a lot of. A it lot should of be our, out by this time. It should be out. Great. So a lot of our uh, patrons and listeners chimed in. A, a lot of people that went and said, you know, they they had a great time. You know, and but I think I think the general consensus was that night two is definitely the the better night. It's a it's a more cohesive show. We talked about you know last week where the the set list was kind of all over the place, and they might have swung a little too far into the rare stuff, and it didn't have like the the moments that hit. But this one I think does. I think it, they learned their lesson on on night two with the set list, and oh, I can imagine yeah. 
you know, I've been to some of those festivals and you just, you turn your head and, you know, you see this person over here and you, I'm sure that, you know, the rumors were flying again about all the stuff that happened for night one, like, oh, who, who, what's going to happen for night two? So right, you don't yeah. want to miss anything. You're running around like, oh, the, Ed's going to be over here. And then I heard Mike's going to go over here and play with these guys. And like, yeah, you're trying to just take in everything. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good feeling. It's, it's, I miss that feeling. What I will say about the side stage stuff and Ed's interaction and appearance on the side stage on day two was that it was all complete surprise. I wasn't, nobody was really expecting any of it. And I I think the first one that happened from Ed was probably Glenn Hansard, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Because I feel like Glenn went on before Liam and then Liam went on before John Doe. And I think it was in that order that everything happened. And he kind of got in with the with the Pearl Jam crowd, and it was nice for, you know, and him and Ed became friends, and it was sort of cool to like to see him kind of like get in with this crowd, and he's kind of become part of the extended family at this point. And now he's on that he's here. They're writing songs for that soundtrack that just came out. I was about to say the Flag Day soundtrack that just came out, and he was heavily heavily involved in that. So very mm-hmm. very cool. And knowing that you know this this was not the last time that he did a tour with Ed. I think he did some solo tours with Ed, and and he'd been intertwining for a long time now. Yeah. But um, yeah. him telling the story of falling slowly and explaining the whole thing, and then saying that like one of the first per- people that he called to you know, connect with that was Ed because he knew what Ed went through with Ross killed. And like, that was like, to me, the most captivating thing of that afternoon. Like I could not stop thinking about that. And then the performance of falling slowly was just, I mean, like if you guys know the song, which you should know the song, it's, it's an absolute heartbreaker of a song. And to get both Glenn and Eddie singing back and forth at the same time, then Ed kind of comes in with that baritone voice, and you're like, oh, oh, okay, and I, yeah, this this is really good, this is really good. I didn't really know it at the time, I didn't really know the song, but like, it was one of those things where, from that point on, I never forgot it. Well, you have suffered enough and warred with yourself. It's time that you won. rivals some of the stuff from the Pearl Jam show. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that at all. I, yeah. I you know, I'm thankful when you see that video because that is the one that that gets passed around when you think Ed, Ed and uh, and Glenn performances. 
I'm thankful that I was there. Like, I feel like that's a, that was a special moment to be a part of, you know, like it it doesn't happen very often that something goes completely viral and gets played 10 years after the fact, like almost all the time it has, it has millions of views. So yeah, I, you know, that just, just seeing that and knowing that is, is very cool that I was able to witness all that. But then you had like Liam Finn and Joe Arthur. We we got into Joe Arthur, but uh, you know the band played w- with him a little bit. And you know I, I I don't remember that as much, but I I remember Liam Finn, and I remember him taking the drum set, and then you know him and Ed kind of switching off mic and drums and doing Habit together. And Ed kind of channeling, and it all kind of comes full circle here because. Uh, when you think of Habit, you think of Mike Watt, and when you think of Mike Watt, you think of Hovercraft, because Hovercraft was the little project that uh, Ed and Beth had that opened up on that '95 tour. Exactly, yeah. open up for the Ringspiel tour, and Ed was playing drums for that, I believe, right? Yep. So it you know kind of comes full circle, whether it meant to to do it or not. Uh, very very cool moment. It's not every day that you see Ed gets to play drums, and and then uh, the other one that really stuck out to me was uh, from the John Doe set with Cindy Wasserman, Ed and her singing Golden State. I believe it was used, and maybe not that version. Actually, I think a version with Corn Tucker was used as a Christmas single. That was another performance I'll never forget, too. Just a very, very cool moment. And John Doe was doing some different kind of stuff at the time, more acoustic stuff and, you know, not exactly uh, punk rock X kind of stuff. So it, it was cool to see that. And all the bands that were playing on the side stages were very just laid back, relaxed, um, unless it was Liam Finn. Uh, but it just had a really general, just very chilled out vibe to it. And then you get into the show. You get into the opener bands, Mud Honey again, and Queens of Stone Age again, and The Strokes again. We're all great. I had a good time. I was in seats this time. And, you know, it was a much more pleasant experience not being in the rain and not being in, you know, just discomfort from being wet. The whole entire day felt like it was leading up to something good. And guess what? It did. It really did. I guess we can tee up into the show now. Um, you always talk about the, you know, wash opening and the being the, that would have been more appropriate for night one. Like they kind of opened with the, yeah. the reverse song. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it was a, please let it ring today. I wonder if instead of that, it was thank you for, for not letting it rain today. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to read into that. Yeah, through lyrics and through words, Wash would have been the one that would have worked on night one because it's the obscure opener, opening for the night that was just full of nothing but obscure. Release being an opener for the night two would be more of a justifiable opener for a set that had a lot more balance. Um, But it didn't happen that way, and I think release really needed to be played first in the weekend to really just kind of solidify where they were. But to get Wash, I I think that might have been the return on that. Maybe somebody in the band said, uh, hey, why not Wash for for night one, and they just pushed it over. So, but I mean, great here. Look, the the way that you're you're starting out the show is is kind of a jam, and, and you can tell, you can tell by watching the band 
confident. They just seem loose. The first night, they didn't seem as loose. They, they seemed like, okay, we're, we're, we're doing this for something. This is something uh, special, and we need to kind of be locked in and focused. And it seemed like they're like, no, let's, let's, let's just jam. Let's, let's just enjoy this day. And that's what this whole entire show was. I think this set a really, really good tone for the night. Yeah, you mentioned a lot last week about how things just seem kind of stressed and like kind of tense. And like this is the exact opposite of that. Like you can tell they're just loose. This is a fantastic version of Wash, especially the ending. It gets really triumphant, really hits like a soaring kind of place that the you know the, the original doesn't get to. I thought this was fantastic. And yeah, I think I, I agree. You can tell just there's just a different attitude and they, they just seem to be having a much better time. Yeah, Ed's dancing on stage. Jeff is doing some like jamming right next to him. And yeah, you got some good visuals from the YouTube clips on this. open from here you know like wash is one of those songs where it kind of can lead you into the great wide open you have no idea what's gonna follow it and uh you know not unlike night one there are rare songs in the set list but unlike night one they are more balanced they are more put together they have the rise and fall exactly what we talked about wasn't there last week this feels more like a pearl jam show However, what I want to address before getting into the first real section of this is that there are a couple of songs that are like just staples of the Pearl Jam show, the just staples of their shows for the past 20 years at that point that didn't get played at all. And I was very surprised that we didn't hear Corduroy, Animal, Go, Why Go, Hell Hell. Those were the five, especially when you think of like early songs, because the the way that you're starting off this section is the fixer. And, you know, while look, I'll, I'll put it this way. A lot of people that wrote into us and that talked about the episode and talked about the show with us was exactly the point that we made that arms aloft was a really really weird choice and that became sort of a a, a talking point on one of the forums 
And we we agreed with that. Like, yeah, totally. Like, why open with a very random cover when you have all of this at your arsenal that could have just lit a fire under the crowd? And I could say the same for this spot here. However, it seemed like the crowd was really, really into the fixer. And I was I was shocked by that because I don't remember that the crowd was really into this. Yeah, well, this crowd's going to be into, into anything. But as long yeah, as they knew it, right. Right, but Corduroy is the one, like you mentioned, like, how do you play these two shows and not play Corduroy? That's... It's bad. Cool. That is ridiculous. And, yeah, we got we got Better Man and Rupert Mirror on night one, so you think, okay, well, maybe you're not going to get those again. But, yeah, just, I have no idea why Corduroy was, especially right here, it just would have been, just washing to Corduroy would have been epic. Yeah, even get the Intercellar Overdrive intro and kind of build back into your crowd and and show them what kind of night this is going to be. That has more of an impact than Fixer does. Even back then when Fixer was more of a staple and was more, I guess, appreciated and and didn't go through its like, okay, we're sick of this. It was still kind of new. Yeah. Right, right, right. And and you just, you watch the crowd during Fixer. I was just transfixed. I'm like, how? How is this possible that this crowd was so into it? But they were. They were yep. just that's just what happened. But this whole section here to start out from Fixer into Severed Hand into All Night into Give It a Fly has tons of great momentum to it. It just it swings from the next song to the next song and they keep building upon it. And uh, that's exactly I think the momentum shift wasn't something that they were thinking about in night one, but they almost perfected to a T here. Yeah, absolutely. And the Severed Hand is great. The mic just goes off on the solo again all night even. You know, this is one that you kind of like hit off. It's like, oh, they, they play that every time I go there. But like there's the little choir back there, which is cool. I always forget that this is kind of a this is a no-code era song, which is strange. But it just builds up energy. And like whereas on night one, like maybe after all night, you would have gotten something else weird. Here they they hit you with Given to Fly. And it's like. Oh, it's like that that breath, like, oh, we needed this. I like, do you remember feeling that? Like when that hit, like, oh, here we go. Like, this is going to be more, this is going to be really cool. Yeah, I I think I remember like giving a fly being a moment saying like, okay, we've reached something. We, it's not directionless. This, like, we know where the set is going. We don't know exactly where the songs are headed. We don't know what the choices are going to be, but we know how we're going to feel. And I guess that having that perception there was a little bit more comforting than like, what the hell in the moonlight? Like I, I can't even, because they've never played this before. I can't even take a guess as to what comes next. It's not that you want to know what comes next. It's that you want to be able to not even have to think about anticipating and have them just kind of keep coming at you, keep coming at you. And I don't think I thought about any of that at this show. I don't think I thought about any of the chasers that I wanted, like especially after giving a fly. I think you just get really rubbed up and and you're like, okay, great. This is a show. This feels this feels right. Yeah, this is this is very well spaced out because you'll get the way you'll get three or four, you know, kind of obscure ones, little deep cuts, and then they'll come back and hit you with with one they know. So I think that was definitely done on purpose. I think Ed went back and after the first night was like. 
we we need some of these songs spliced in here to to keep this energy going and you like it just night one didn't have any of those kind of soaring like songs that like lifts the crowd up like we talked about and like given to fly is one of those even even wash at the beginning kind of like builds really nicely to that then you know we're, we're gonna get them every three or four songs here for the rest of the night you're gonna get you're gonna get these ones you're gonna, you're gonna get the rare ones and then you're gonna hit the, the ones it's very well done i gotta think that was done on purpose yeah absolutely there's no way that it wasn't you know i think what what ed wanted to do was ed wanted to test the crowd on night one he wanted to see okay how hardcore can you guys be we're gonna throw you help help in education and in the moonlight and that kind of stuff and if you guys sing it back to us we're gonna be really impressed i think they they wanted it to be kind of like a vic theater thing on on saturday night and sunday night i i think they just wanted to put together the best kind of pearl jam show they could which i think they accomplished that so yeah yeah, yeah, from the first five songs in, like everybody's feeling real good. This is like, okay, what do you got for us? And Ed kind of stops to say, uh, this is the good kind of experience. We can play just about anything you fuckers would know. So again, going back to what I just said, that they're, they're feeling, you know, they're feeling pretty confident about that stuff. But there are a few songs that we're gonna play that would be abnormalities, but they are pretty good songs. I could say that because I didn't write the next one. Jeff wrote the next one. The next three are Pilot, Love Boat Captain, and Habit. So you get Yield, Riot Act, No Code. Yield and No Code especially have very, very good representation at both shows. Like, more than three three songs per show, which is yeah. excellent. Um, Riot Act gets a song a show. Binaural does, is the one that doesn't get anything. Binaural got nothing. Not even a grievance, not a light years. Zilch. Yeah. So for all you binaural fans, this might not be the show for you. You know, this is a little collector section and all three of these songs are songs that this was the one and only time that I saw them. So that's, I think I, I, especially later on, that was what I took out of this section was that, okay, this was kind of tailored for somebody like me that doesn't really follow them around every single night and doesn't hit every, every single time that they're, that they're on tour in California or, or, or wherever. I'm not going to travel that much. I'll make one or two destination spots, but that's it. But, you know, getting especially Love Boat Captain here was, that was the one. I think if there were a few that you would ask me, what, what haven't you heard before that you need to hear, Love Boat Captain would have been one of those. And, you know, this is just really cool at the end here where Ed does his whole, like, you know, all you need is love, and the crowd goes back and forth with him, and then they sort of stop the song, and they they keep doing it, and Ed's, like, testing them. How far can we go with this? And it's just a very, very cool moment. I don't know if I really remember that much being there, but listening back to that this week, I'm like, wow, I... I I should have been paying a little bit more attention because that that was fantastic. Yeah, I think this is a this is a key moment in kind of the evolution of this song because this is the first time they played it since 2008, mm, and yep. they didn't play it at all in 2009, at all in 2010. And you it's have to kind think of, too that that 2010 show in Berlin that would have been a perfect time to bust yep. that out because yep. that was the 10 year anniversary of Roskilde, which which gets right. brought up beforehand. But I mean, ever ever since the this show it's kind of hung around and it's stuck around and it's it's gone on to like you know we've talked about versions that they kind of like extend the intro a little bit and mess around with it 
and doing that extended love outro to talked about the solo on this is fantastic this is ooh, fan, this is would have been if i'd been there this have been one of the highlights for me absolutely addresses the situation from Ross Gilden said we had to go through it together and we had to, we stayed in touch with the families and it was the hardest thing that we ever had to do as a group so even even changes the lyric to you know we'll get to know more and more each day right 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 which they would continue to do almost every time the one of the key things that I really liked about both of these shows how they kind of interpreted the important stories to tell in Pearl Jam's history I think they got to just about all of them yeah, I think so. And they had to address Ross Guild because it's it's a huge part of who they are. It's a huge we didn't, we didn't part get a Ticketmaster sucks chant. That would have been cool. No, but not no, for no you did it. Sucks. Not for you did it. Not for you is a, a nod to all of that and a nod to yeah. their their frustration with everything. I think, but you know, apparently right before this, there there were some tragedies at, at either festivals or or just shows in Indiana and Belgium, and I can't remember what they were, but Ed sends well wishes to, to the people that were involved in that, and you have to think that that's weighing on their mind too, but just addressing that part of their history and paying homage to it in a way or paying tribute to it in a way is important because sometimes you forget about those things or sometimes you don't want to go back to that because it's like, okay, well, that's been done before. Let's we're they're always a band that wants to think forward and, and move forward, but this is kind of in a way paying honor to the past while moving forward. And I think a lot of that probably has to do with uh, relationships that they kept with the families, with the family members of, uh, of the people that, that, that lost uh, loved ones. So uh, right. very, very cool. He introduced Liam Finn for habit and, and not to, not to throw off pilot at all, because this is a, a great version of pilot as well. Uh, but I think ha- habit is way more of a talking point here. Cause we got it earlier in the night and I wonder if that was a late ad. If Ed just saw Liam Finn do it or Liam went up to him and be like, hey, I'm doing this, join me for it. And then Ed said, okay, well, now vice versa. Now you got to join us. Liam's version, because they were switching off, you know, from, from drums to, to guitar a little bit, there was some stop and go. So I'm sure Ed said, like, let's get a full version down. Let's see how we can do it. And as for, like, a version of Habit post-2000, I thought they, they pretty much nailed it, I you know? It was good. The energy that that Liam was displaying was it was it was on full force. He's oh. 
nothing he's but got a, the james brown moves he really does yeah he's nothing but a ball of energy but uh, yeah, yeah the the whole thing like uh, you know this uh, the entire weekend the special guests they take precedent in a lot of these songs on this night and you remember who did what and you know how how they were interpreted and there's going to be one way later in the show that's going to be my favorite thing uh but this was this was a fantastic moment and not just that but you have to think these guests are you know from josh homie coming out night one and doing in the moonlight and now liam finn is doing a deeper cut on on no code how cool is that yeah, one they hadn't again. They hadn't played it since 2009. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it probably was just a just an add-on for him. And I'm sure he probably requested it. Like they asked him, like, "Hey, what do you want to come out and do?" Oh, it's got to be habit. Fantastic. And in in the video, I, I'm not sure if you saw this, but he's dancing over towards Stone, and then they make eye contact, and it looks like Stone just gives him this stern look of like, "I'm not fucking around." And Liam just is like, okay, I'll dance in the other direction now. It's yeah, really yeah. fucking funny. And I don't know I if Stone was doing it on purpose or if he was just like having having a, having a little laugh with them or, or, or what. I think but. it was probably that the Stone hadn't played the song in two years. And yeah, he had to like, concentrate. Don't fuck with me. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that makes sense. But I like to think that maybe he got a little intimidated by Stone and just kind of scurried away. But <laughs> oh, I would too. Yeah. I, I mean, he's the man. He's he's the reason why everybody was there that day. So yeah, don't don't fuck with Stone at all. Uh, and Stone is the reason for this next song. You know, you got the chock full of rarities in that section, but now you're gonna get to the ones that you need, the ones that you 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 love, the ones that keep coming up. And even flow is that. And uh, everything is just bouncing. It's just a, a moving train, and you're listening positive reaction from your crowd, and you kind of know where this is going. Like I was saying before, where it's it, it might not be predictable, but you can predict that okay, after even flow, you're gonna gotta take it down a little bit, and then kind of build up and and uh, and crash down into other moments here. Mike is working on a lot of like one note bends trying to create reverb sound from just kind of like holding on to one note for as long as he can on this and I thought that that was interesting that he wasn't trying to break sound barriers with this but it still sounded very cool. Those are some of my favorite even flow solos when he does that when he just lets those notes like hang and, and linger and just reverberate around it's very cool and you get you know going even into daughter too like I, I thought that thing and this is kind of the classic like I think we, we talked about it one time where daughter is the song that's followed even flow the most like this yeah. is kind of the 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 two like one two punch in the middle of the set and i think it was very much needed here it sounded really really good and even flow right into daughter and the and the daughter with with it's okay i thought too you know you talked about going and kind of hitting the the all the things from the history the it's okay here is it's really really good you can tell he's channeling some stuff on that i think it's perfect i think it, it's one of the better moments from this show and yeah. Ed even teases it, and he says, look, we're going to try something at the end of the next one. It's something we hadn't done in 10 years. That's a little inaccurate, and you have to go back to the stats. The stats are a little inaccurate because I remember one of the shows that it says they, that they did It's Okay For was at the Spectrum. That That is not true because... He sang "It's Okay" over and over again, but there was never like a the the uh, the notable music uh, uh, chorus over. Yeah, when the when the key changes, yeah. Right, 
and there was another time in 2010 where they apparently did it, but I don't know if they did the same thing because there was a Blitzkrieg bop kind of tag on it where I think they're just kind of chanting with the crowd, hey-ho, let's go, and I think that that would be a little bit challenging to do the two of those together. So I'm going to guess that they hadn't done it since 2006. They were doing it pretty, not consistently in 2006, but, you know, enough. Um, And, you know, when you hear those chords come in, it's just a sense of warmth and a sense of just immediate happiness and I, I go back to the one that we heard in Fenway and they did a double tag for that it was WMA before it's okay and I remember actually for the first time ever being disappointed I was getting WMA and then they sort of trail out of that and you hear that chord you're like oh my god it, it is coming like that's fantastic yeah. And it's just like there's, you know, everybody's singing together. It's emotional for some people. Some people get teary-eyed. Some people are just getting lost in the moment. And the crowd remembers the touring fan DVD. They remember the Jones Beach version. Uh, You know, if you remember, if you've read the uh, all-encompassing trip book, this was a huge part of that book. And, like, a huge part of connecting the crowd and connecting the fans together uh, was the It's Okay tag. And it just has a wonderful call and response. It was the perfect moment. I, you know, just things feel really good from this show already, and this just added to it. forgotten it's okay that's one that i'm that i'm chasing i would love i will i will absolutely lose my shit if they if i get to hear it next year or any any time in the future i get chills thinking about it absolutely i i would hope that that is a you know post-covid you know we're here together and you know let's let's get through some therapeutic moments kind of thing yeah i would i would throw that on a set list especially look they're playing festivals this year like Put, yep. put daughter on the set list because it's going to be a festival hit and then give you give the crowd it's okay because it just makes the absolute most sense in the world too so we get back to some rarities and this is a, a couple of album ones and then a, a little bit of a b-side and it's going to be leatherman into red mosquito with julian casablancas and satan's bed all back to back to back um they're collector's items i i think 
the I, I had seen Satan's Bed before. The last show that they had played it was one that I was at, so I had seen that before. So I was I thought it was cool that they had brought it back. I had not seen Red Mosquito. I had not seen Leatherman before. So I think I was just enjoying all of these kind of new ones and new experiences that I was getting live. I thought that this was a tremendous version of Red Mosquito, and even teeing it up by by mentioning the night in San Francisco again, going back to telling the stories that gets them to where they are today. A lot of people thought that after that night in San Francisco where he had food poisoning, that that was it. They were done. It's, a, it's just another point of interest in the band's now 30-year history that you can go back to and be like, oh, okay, like this is this is how they got to from A to B, and this is how it went from Vitalogy to, to No Code. And, uh, you know, Red, Red Mosquito was one of those that was kind of written and played before the No Code record kind of came out, and it was kind of one of those uh, collector items things. And, and now at this moment, you get Julian Casablancas came out, and uh, Ed says, you have the same initials as Jesus Christ, and they do a little bit of a joking around uh, about a cocky frontman where, where Julian's like, oh, I'll be in the background. No, I'll be cocky frontman kind of, kind of shtick. And it's just firing out of the gate. Mike is just sounds fantastic. And we got to talk about Julian Casablanca's here because he kind of stole the show on night one with that Not For You. That was one of the big moments that, that people talked about. And he was definitely, I think, the the best like guest performance. Like he came on, you could tell he was just fanboying out. Yes. Like he was stoked very to be happy. We, we talked about how the, the Strokes like love Pearl Jam. They, when they were getting together back in the late 90s, like they loved it. I think there was, I mentioned there was a retrospective that said one of the producers for that, for their first record said, hey, they just wanted to listen to Got About Voices and Pearl Jam. And you can tell like he's just having a blast and like he kind of like took out took over that not for you and he kind of takes over this red mosquito like he kind of adds some stuff at the end and it's it's just like you know ed's adorable when he kind of does these things you can tell julian is just like oh like this is this is one of the coolest moments i've i've ever gotten to have like you can tell he was just stoked to be there and above like you know and you know we know liam was a a big pearl jam fan growing up because of his his dad and all that but i think julian is the one who kind of steals the show here do you you remember hearing i do i think he was probably one of the ones that people talked about the most after this yeah i I definitely talked about him the most for sure um and there's you know they're going to be another performance later that you talk about a little bit too but yeah i i I think it's just because i i i kind of I grew with the Strokes as they started, and they kind of started around this the same time as a couple other bands like the White Stripes. And you know, I, I think people made a big stink of there were a couple of bands that that started that have the in their name, and it was kind of a, a throwback to to a '60s vibe. And there was the White Stripes, the Strokes, and the Hives that were that were all coming out at the same time. And I was getting really into that at that point. And, and you know, the Strokes aren't something that I listen to regularly today but uh, you know I I have sort of that connection with them that yeah like seeing that moment and seeing front man of another band that I enjoyed was hanging out and doing the stuff with Ed was was great I I, I love knowing that that's that happens but also like that ending I think you kind of mentioned it but you know while Ed's doing the uh, if I had known then what I know now Julian is singing over that while kind of, kind of still doing the the chorus part. Very cool. Just kind of coming off, come coming up with it all, uh, off the spot. It's just very cool stuff. Yeah. 
bed, like, you know. Hey, they got through it. They got through it, right. They did. Very emphatic. Never sucked Satan's dick. You just want to throw that out there. He never did that. He never did that. And, you know, while, no, it was not the tightest version, you're getting the 31st performance of a Vitalogy song. You're going to take it, and you're going to hang on to that because that's going to be a special thing. They'd only play it, what, eight more times after that? So, yeah, it it does not happen very often. Um, But I want to get to the next thing because this is pretty important. Another throwback to the important moments uh, and the storytelling of how the band kind of became what the band is today and mentions the Bob Dylan tribute show that him and Mike did Masters of War for. 1992, yeah. Yeah, Madison Square Garden, and they met a ton of people that night. That was like their first foray into the who's who of the music industry from they met Neil that night, and he kind of takes a minute to thank Neil and Peggy for getting them through uh, a lot of tough times, and they met Tom Petty that night. They met Mm -hmm. Bob Dylan, obviously, and one of the other guys that they met was George Harrison, who happened to be there with a very young Danny Harrison. Cool little throwback to that, and uh, they they take this as a request from Danny that he says we might not have played the song because he he requested it, so we're going to play it. So you get Small Town kind of happening in this deeper part of the set where you usually don't get it because you get the, the, the guest appearance here, which I thought was very cool. And, and while Danny Harrison probably had more of the common song appearances when he when he joined them he 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 did state of love and trust the night one and then small town night two um i won't hold that against him that not well, doing not a lost dog or, or a no code song every everybody's yeah, there for absolutely. different reasons but i yeah i, I like that tie-in i thought that tie-in was really important yeah very very good and then here another three deep cuts and then you come back and hit with small town which is everybody knows and it's a huge sing-along moment that you know we 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 talked about it you know last week with this this crowd is one of the best crowds they've ever played for everybody knows every word everybody knows every note this small town is up there you can hear i mean especially with with it being an audience bootleg you can hear everyone screaming along and singing along it's really 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 cool i I'm, i'm glad they played this here i have a little bit of a confession to make i think that small town is probably one of the songs I want to hear the most in Jersey. Oh, yeah. That's not surprising at all. Yeah, Just because of that. I think when you're going to have that moment of, I just want to scream hello, by God, it's been so long. Like, you know, I would not be surprised if they opened with it. I was just going to say, it might be even be, it's going to be in that top three probably. Right. Like, get, get a release or a long road to start and then go into Elderly Woman and kind of, you know, while it's going to be very emotional to begin the show, Elderly Woman is going to kind of take the more sing-along direction, still be emotional, but kind of give you that moment of, hey, we're here and everybody can kind of sing at, 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 in these spots. Like, I just, you know, from thinking about the kind of moments that you can get from the crowd and, 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 you know, hearing that, of course, Ed would probably turn the microphone around just to hear everybody in that moment. Like, that's what you're waiting for with this. Like, how incredible is that going to be? Uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I hope that, I hope that that's on their minds and, you know, I, I'm thinking for their first night back, they're not going to do anything too crazy, which means small town would have to be in the repertoire, but, Oh yeah, uh, this is one of the ones I want to hear the most. 
All right. Uh, there's a toast to who Ed calls the seventh member of the band, and the crowd is really on this one because they're chanting for Boom, and Ed is very quick to correct. It is not Boom. Uh, but he toasts uh, Brendan O'Brien, who told them that it was worth continuing with this song and uh, putting it on the record. And that's Unthought Known, which we've talked about on the show before as being one of those that they didn't really, like he's kind of alluding to here, they didn't really feel comfortable with it in the studio. They didn't feel like it was going to be this kind of soaring atmospheric song that it really turned into live. And I think it was probably around this time that you really get the sense of this is sticking around for a while. Oh, definitely. It, it you, you think of it as like, because we... We didn't get a lot of backspace for songs on on night one. I, mean, I don't even remember. Just if we got, got some. That's it. Yeah, just got some. And here you get, you know, you get fixer, you get this, and then you get, you know, one more later. But this one feels like it fits. Like it, looking back on it, it, it doesn't seem out of place. Like maybe fixer does or got some does. It feels like it 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 earned a spot here. So yeah, absolutely. I thought this was great. I I, agree. I, I, I really like this song. I think it might might be my favorite song on that record. Yeah, I, I think I think I have to agree with that, especially when you think of sometimes they put together either whether it's a festival show or whether it could be a home away show kind of deal where the you know people can consider those all star game type shows. This is like one of the newer all stars that shows up. It's like this yeah. lightning bolt that makes sense and don't seem to be stuck in eras. Like they can take this over, drag this over to now. Uh, you know, Backspacers what? Twelve years, twelve years old at this point almost. They can they can drag this over and it can still feel important now, and it can still feel like one of those songs that that uh, you know that that fits in coming coming before or after a Jeremy or a daughter or something like that. So yeah, yep. I totally agree. This is very cool. I thought that this was a cool moment from this show and teeing up uh, for John Doe to come out. And this is a song that hadn't been done since uh, John Doe came out with them in 2005 and did it at John. Where did they do it the last time? You know. I know you know. Oh, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Help me out. Oh, come on. Hashtag save easy street. Oh, okay. That's right. <laughs> That's right. They're live at easy street. Yeah. Long, long time members uh, and listeners of the show probably know that reference to some extent that uh there <laughs> was an easy street episode that was recorded and uh no idea where that went so if we ever find it it'll come out of the vault but until then yeah uh probably probably not happening but yeah this that was the last time that they had played new world wow. and uh you know there's a t up here ed's mentioning the west memphis three uh about not giving up hope and i think that was a little thing that that john doe said before that you know just don't give up hope no matter how screwed up the government is and they mentioned the song asked the musical question of what's up with our goddamn country i like this song like i think it's just so catchy i think it just like oh, has i love a good just like folksy like it's anthemic too like it has that anthemic vibe to it that like kind of riffy chorus and very catchy hook honest to goodness 
The bars were open this morning They must have been voting for the president or something Hey, you got a quarter? I do, they gave it to me the song at the time and maybe the crowd was a little lukewarm on it because you're coming after like a small town and an unthought known and and you're getting towards the end of the set i i i really like this is what i i, th- I thought about a lot after afterwards i'm like okay now i gotta actually listen to the song and really t- kind of take it in a little bit more uh but uh, you know they they don't play this anymore because if they do play and most of the times they did play it was with uh, not John Doe, but with um, with Tim Robbins at the Vote for Choice shows in 2004. That's when this one was kind of busted out the most. So, not going to get this very often unless X had opened up for them. Yeah, this is. I mean, X is one of those bands that, like you, you th- they've they've kind of been forgotten about. You know, those first four X records are some of the best like punk rock records ever and they they just put out a new album a couple years ago but yeah i i'm with you i i love this it's awesome the interplay between between john doe and ed is fantastic and it just it has such a cool like different vibe than anything uh, that that pearl jam does it's such a different kind of song and john doe's such a great songwriter i think this is absolutely a highlight yeah i loved it what was it 212 times since they had played yeah, last like that. yeah pretty pretty crazy you know, we're getting into the end of the set here, and I have a little bit of a point that goes back to some of the storytelling of just the band's history. And the way that you start out the show is with a song that was from the very, very beginning. But, you know, while it wasn't on 10, it was a B-side. Wash, that's very early stuff. Middle of the show, another 10 song, Even Flow hitting that record again and then at the end you hit two more from that record two very very pivotal songs from that record in black and jeremy and the differences between this show and that show you know the the 10 songs that they're playing at the night before are are once and uh deep and although they play porch like it's kind of the back half of that kind of you know it, it's not the the yeah. key ingredients no, of no what alive ma- on night one right right which is yeah. very weird but we do we do happen to get it later later in this show but mm-hmm. I, I i thought that there was something to be said about kind of placing the 10 songs sort of dispersed like that kind of beginning middle and the end just sort of telling that chapter of their story oh absolutely and how many you know how many times have we come on and talked about that that like they bookended the set like beginning middle and end like it's all done very much on purpose we know that ed keeps those notebooks we know that all that stuff is done meticulously by design and yeah i think you're absolutely right this is no exception black and jeremy here to end the set is it's just perfect night one was kind of like a whimper you had the the wasted reprise and the life wasted and you're kind of like all right because you had the thing where he had said hard to imagine everything was like oh they're gonna do hard to imagine but here like it, it builds and builds like to a really good crescendo it hits like that the, the set ends on the, the highest point it could possibly end with with black and jeremy i thought this was excellent which is very weird we don't do a lot of shows where jeremy is the set closer yeah not an 
hardly ever. It would, if anything, be in reverse. Where mm-hmm. I think we've seen Black close a set more than we've seen Jeremy close yeah, a set. Yeah, it, it went through a time when it when it was closing sets. Yeah, but Jeremy's a rare one. But I think it it works absolutely. The big crowd sure. moment, absolutely. Uh, what what I will say because I haven't been talking about personal experiences from this night as much, but sitting next to Steve who absolutely hates Jeremy and always has, like from the minute that was on MTV. Uh, you know, when you when you think about him and his favorite band and how he got to learn his favorite band and knowing that he hated Jeremy from day one, how crazy that is. But I just remember, like, after Black, things were so charged up. And he's like, all right, let's do this. What's next? And he heard the bass. He's like, he just screams fuck. And he sits back in his chair. And he's like, I'm... Almost in a pissy mood for the rest of the night. I'm like, ooh, um, okay. I don't like love Jeremy that much, but I I don't feel this way. And uh, yeah, that's a little extreme. It was extreme. extreme, And I get on him. I I, and I didn't bring it up when we did the forum, but I'll I'll get on him for it. Uh, And he he just does not like this song for whatever reason. And uh, but I think it worked. I think it worked. And and you know, Mike Mike was throwing some papers or some stickers into the. I don't know. He was kind of kind of doing a ticker tape parade on stage there. I'm not sure what he was doing, but, um, you know, there, there's some cool moments in this where Ed's going to the top of the speakers, doing those woes and, uh, the crowd getting into it. Jeff, Jeff, especially getting the final moment and the spotlight on the main set. Like that's really cool. Cause how often yeah. do you get that where Jeff is the last thing you see before they go to break? Never. Yeah. Never, really, ever. Really cool. That's so. a good point. Hey, give it to him. You know, he's just as vital and, and important as Stone is and all this. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. I don't know if people for, if, if people forget it, then they shouldn't. So, all right. We are at the Encore now, so let's pause for station identification and talk a little bit about Patreon. We could talk a little bit about liveonfourlegs.com, whatever you guys want to talk about. Um, where do you want to start? What would you like to talk about? What's important I think, to uh, you? Let's talk about the the project matters and the. Sure. I think we we need to talk about you. Know, we we talked about you know we were going to donate some money. Do we have uh, do we have a total that we were going to donate to them? Can we let the people know what their how much money we were going to put towards that? The money that they donated. Well, we kicked ass. I, I'm just going to throw that out there. We kicked total ass, and we were able to raise a lot of money because I said we were going to donate all of our September earnings plus what we made at the Zoom party, plus we would put in and match those donations. So we made, for the Project Matters, and they will be getting a check on the night of Shorestock, $750, which is more than we've ever raised for any entity that we've done on the show before. Because we've done done some charitable events. We've done, uh, you know, from... Very, very early on in the beginning, we did uh, uh, some Christmas charity things, and mm-hmm. we, we did the runfreely.org. Yup, we, we did that. And, you know, while I, I don't look at financial things as goals, uh, I am very happy at what we were able to accomplish uh, uh, this time for, for something that is just a tremendous organization that uh, deserves the attention, deserves the love. And now I'll just throw this out there again. Please, if you're in New Jersey, if you're going to Asbury Park for See Here Now, come on the 17th. Please come to Shorestock. It's going to be a fantastic time. There's going to be tons of live music. 
There might be guests. You never know who's going to show up, uh, but there's going to be ukulele auctions too. And I think that's going to be a really good primer for the weekend and just kind of teeing you up into, you know, either uh, for me, meeting a ton of people that I've just been talking to for the past couple of years or a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if, if you, you know, if you just want to get sort of involved and kind of want to meet more Pearl Jam people, I think it's going to be a much more intimate place to do it there than at the festival. Cause the festival, who knows, it might be so haphazard and, and who the hell knows what's going on there. But, uh, short stock is going to be held at the saint in Asbury park. And we will be doing and raising more money for the project If you want to head over to Patreon and support the show, Live on Four Legs on Patreon.com, Patreon.com slash Live on Four Legs, I should say, or search for Live on Four Legs on the Patreon app. Uh, We have some Horizon profiles that are going to come out in the next couple weeks, and we are going to make an attempt to get to the Evolution episode of Given a Fly. That's going to be an October goal, maybe an early October, late September goal, but that's still on our minds. John, real quick, if you want to run down what people can get out of Patreon, because this is the time to to join up. Um, We're planning a lot of our 2022 schedule right now, and there's going to be a lot of Patreon episodes that are going to be covered on this show. So why don't you you talk about what people get from donating to at least the Gigaleg tier, getting their own episode on our show? Yeah, so we have uh, three different tiers that you can donate if you're interested in supporting the show. Uh, We thank all of our patrons for continuing to donate, especially through last year and this year. It's just amazing, the support. Uh, We have the the $1 tier, the bonus leg, where you get access to all the bonus content that we do, like all the Evolution episodes that we talk about, Um, the bonus episodes, like we did the the extra night of of Red Rocks. For $5 a month is the Giga Leg tier, which you mentioned. That way you can come on and you can suggest an episode for us to cover. Maybe there's a Pearl Jam show that you went to that we haven't covered yet that you feel like is underrated and really good that you'd like to talk about or maybe there's a classic Pearl Jam show that we haven't talked about yet that you'd really love to to hear us talk about $5 a month that gets you access to that plus all the bonus content and then for $10 a month is our Horizon leg, named after Five Horizons, of course. The people that, who are supporting our Concertpedia project at liveonfourlegs.com. Please go check it out if you haven't. A lot of people worked really hard on it. And those are the people, you know, they get they get to come on the show, suggest an episode, and we're going to do, like you mentioned, uh, some profile episodes on them where you get to come on. And we'll ask you questions about your fandom and how you got started with Pearl Jam and where you're at with them. So, yeah, now's a great time to jump in. We've got, like we have mentioned, we've got shows coming up. It just seems surreal that there's going to be Pearl gym shows this month but uh but here we are so yeah if you've been thinking about donating we've got a a great community of people and and it keeps growing and we're just so thankful to all of them you mentioned the website and a real quick tee up to and i and i guess that you know since since the website is now up and running i guess in this section we're gonna have to kind of talk and and talk about what's what's up up and coming and some of the articles that are coming out this week because we're we're really gonna try and make an effort to keep the blog up as much as we can and, and you know talk about different things and talk about different things within Pearl Jam and stories that need to come to to the forefront. And one of those stories that's going to get written this week that'll be out near the end of the week is uh, just a story about their connection to September 11th, which we're in the 20th anniversary of. Uh, It's absurd that 
holy crap, it's been 20 years since that that's happened. But there's a lot of stories to be told surrounding that and surrounding the band, what they were going through before that. And then after that, kind of how it took them in a different direction for the new record and how they wrote songs. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for for that. So there will be an article about that sometime this week. And uh, if you want a little bit lighter reading, then John and I are going to do our predictions for the See Here Now set list. And uh, that'll be fun. We're just going to go front to back and we're going to kind of predict what they're going to do their first show back. And uh, we'll see how right we are. We'll maybe make a make a little game out of it, and yeah. And uh, yeah. one of the other things, if you are going to see her now, or if you're going to one of the Ohanas, the regular Ohana festival, or the Encore, we want to hear from you guys, and we're just looking for little blurbs that w- that we can post uh, on our website. Just like, what does it mean to you to see Pearl Jam? again to to be in this moment you know what are you feeling right now going into the shows and then you know just a little thing on what's the one song you want to hear the most that's that's little things that we're looking for kind of in the same way that we did the 10 and no code uh stuff from a couple weeks ago uh we're just you know just want to get the fan aspect into this and we'll we'll try to make some some good content out of that so uh send it to us live on four legs podcast at gmail.com if you want to be involved with that all right back to the rock and we start off the encore ed out there by himself drinking from his bottle he says it took a second to backstage to argue about all the songs that they're going to be playing which which will come back up in just a second but something happened the week this weekend that we didn't expect seeing everyone gather from the fans to musicians and mark arm said he saw fans from spain to japan and you know all the colors are 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 blended you know he just thanks everybody from coming from where they came from and making this special and it it doesn't make them feel older but it gives them a sense of rebirth and a new beginning and he wrote a song backstage a little bit based off of a line that he said to John Doe earlier in the evening, and that's where we get this improv, which I think is kind of known through the circles as being called So Glad We've Made It. It's one of those things, the, the first thing that I thought of when I heard it was like, when you have a TV show that is is ending, a series that's ending, and they play sort of some of the clips, and they show you some of like the, you know, and I'm thinking like, when they when they did the Seinfeld, uh, like the, the end of right. Seinfeld, they played uh, time, "Time of Your Life" by Green Day, uh, and right. just sort of showing montages of images and stuff like that. In my head, hearing Ed sing this, I'm thinking of like all the moments that got them to where they are here, and you know, like from anything from the night at, at Pink Pop to the Unplugged to uh, some of the great stuff from Soldier Field and ninety and other shows in '95 to the 2000. 3 tour and Ed putting his ear to to the stage like those are the kind of like the big highlights that you think of when you just think of the band and their history and and I think you know I'm not alone I hope I'm not alone when I think of that because people don't really talk about this that much but those were some of the images that I got when when Ed was was doing this thing yeah this is uh, this is an OTOTO and it's a little I think it's the reason I think it it doesn't hasn't really kind of gone into the the annals of kind of legendary is there no improvs is 
that and I think it's a little too saccharine and like a little kind of sappy and cheesy a little bit like self-serving maybe but that's understandable it's not it's not that I just think it's you know it's it's just something like he's like I said he he wrote it backstage probably that day didn't put a lot of time in it It, it's just a way to say thank you to all the other bands and thank you to the the rest of the band and the fans It's, it's just him taking a moment to acknowledge and say thank you and I think it it it's kind of frozen in this moment and that's where it deserves to be that's where it should be and that's where it's gonna stay so it's nice but it's it's almost a little too nice <laughs> and we can never have nice things right right yeah in in a sense i think in the same category as this is the Mo, the moline improv that he did um, a little bit yeah and and that one kind of turned into a little bit of a show because he he tried it about five or six times and, and until he got it right but this it seemed to he nailed it he nailed it on the on the first try and uh and it was just Something small, but you kind of think of those images when you when you think of him singing those words. So glad we've made it when it all got good. It's a cool line, and probably what he said to John Doe backstage. So yeah, very yeah. cool uh, interlude to get into Just Breathe, and then Nothing Man as kind of your 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 build back your your campfire section. Uh, I thought both songs sounded sounded great. Um, you know, I think you need some familiar stuff before you get into some weird shit. Yeah, and Nothing Man too. Those, I remember thinking like, "Oh, that's such a cool surprise." Because, you know, we mentioned no corduroy, not a lot of Vitalogy. These, there wasn't these two nights. Better Man so and this not one, for I think, from the night before, yeah. and then Satan's Bed and Nothing Man here. Yeah, but I think Nothing Man is is almost like the best one. This was awesome. I agree. Love yeah, I, when you get the sing-alongs like Nothing Man and Small Town, yeah, those are the yeah. ones that people can really latch on and and really have those moments where they they build to, and you just get it to a crescendo. Everybody's voice where you can hear every single person in the crowd. I agree. Nothing Man's perfect for that. Great sing-along. Yeah. But this is a very important moment from this show. Ed wants to mention his friend Stone Gossard, the most handsome guy in the group. It's been a long relationship, not just between him and I, but between him and Jeff. Uh, and he says something about this being like uh, Stone and Jeff 25 because he made all those uh, year references the day before. Uh, Stone makes this kind of like grabby motion, kind of like he's he's going to grab Jeff's, Jeff's tits or something like that. And Jeff is in hysterics when he does that. So that might be some kind of inside joke. Who the hell knows? Um, but he calls Stone a great leader when he leads us, and they, they're about to play a song that he wrote, and they're kind of going back and forth by saying Stone doesn't want to play it. Stone says, I want to go with a veteran song. I want to play a song by PIL. And Ed says, no, I think we should do both. So Stone reluctantly retunes his guitar, and Ed then says this line that has stuck with me to this very day. <laughs>
obviously love the Yield record. Knew that this was not one that pops up at their shows too often. This was the 10th out of 12 performance uh, of the song. So I knew we were getting something kind of special. And I've always really dug it. And I don't understand why it's not one they wanted to circulate a little bit more. Maybe it's the whole kind of thing where it was a Jack era kind of song. And, you know, while in the middle trying to, to teach Matt the stuff that he needs to know, like give it a fly and do the evolution. Maybe this one just fell by the wayside, but I, you know, stone has such a, he's so opposed to it. And I don't, I just don't understand why I, I thought every time I hear this live, I thought that they, they, they pull it off. I thought that this version, they pull it off. I thought it was good. Yeah, it's great. And it's funny. Cause we, we just talked about the 11th performance of it. Right, Los and that Angeles wasn't when as were, good, right? That was kind of right. that was kind of a little bit of a mess, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but Jason, Jason from State of Love and Trust had a story about talking to them and, and wanting to hear this song, and it's kind of a funny story. As right, well. so, I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, this is great. No way is great. I, I don't understand why it's only been played twelve times. It's it's just it's one of those weird kind of vibey weird Stone songs, like that he just doesn't. He writes them and they're great, but he just—I don't think he just—he doesn't think it translates well live. I don't think they've ever really. And like I saw the second or third performance of it, and I don't—I don't—I just don't think they've ever, you know, thought that it really resonated with the crowd. Well, it, it's sort of a blues song that yeah. gets kind of electrified, yeah. and it ha- like even in the studio, it's kind of able to stay balanced. But live, it kind of needs to to build it kind of needs that kind of edge to it uh in order for it to go somewhere or else it's just kind of this half-hearted acoustic thing so i don't know if it's the fact that they couldn't replicate what they did on the record or the fact that he doesn't like how it needs to have a little bit more of that edge and get a little bit harder and and a little bit more aggressive i i don't know if it's one of those things but um that those are the differences between the song. It's hard. It's very hard to speculate. But Stone, um, Stone got through it, and as did the rest of the band. And Ed, Ed got his wish, and uh, seemed like Ed was in a good mood during this one. So the one that Stone wanted to play, Public Image from Public Image Limited. Uh, if you aren't sure who Public Image Limited is, it's Johnny Rotten with the Clash's original guitarist Keith Levine, and yeah. you know like they they played this nine times and it's usually around this era that they would play it in like 2009, 2010, 2011, this kind of time period. And yeah, it's on live on 10 legs. It's it's on that live record. Right. Which I think gets forgotten about when you think yeah. of sort of the, the, the releases that they've done, but also, you know, this is the only time that they've performed it in the States. Every other time that they played, it has <laughs> been, Overseas, in somewhere in Europe. So it yeah. probably, you know, I was just kind of sitting there and being like, I really don't know this. I didn't know Public Image. I, it's, it's still not something I, I, that I've really. It, it's after the Sex Pistols and after it's a post-punk kind of kind of act. So I, yep. I just don't yep. know it as much. But I, I like. I just remember kind of being sitting on my hands during it, and I just kind of. I don't. I didn't know how to react and didn't hate or love the song and I kind of felt like the rest of the crowd was in the same boat but also when you think of the lyrics of the song it does make sense as to why they would play it 
and it's yet yeah, it's similar to how we talked about arms aloft on on night one where it's like it's a very obscure deep cut from a very influential person and i think it's people it just kind of kills the momentum of the set like after public yeah because you, you're a perfect example like yeah you don't know this song you're you're a pretty hardcore Pearl Jam fan at this point, but yeah, this is kind of one where you're like, okay, like I'm, right. like you said, I'm just gonna kind of do sit down this? and, yeah, like there, it doesn't, it kind of kills the the energy of the set, but you know they can get away with that here. I'm not gonna fault them for that, but yeah, it's just it's just a weird choice. It's just one of those things. I'm sure Ed was like, oh, I love this song. I used to love the song. Let's just play it. I don't care what people think. And now you're about to go right back uphill, and this is probably, this might be number one moment for me from this show, I won't ruin it, but look, I think from all the hype and excitement from what happened earlier in uh, in Glenn Hanser's set with, with, with Ed coming out and joining him and singing Falling Slowly, I think the idea of Glenn joining them for a song, because he didn't on night one, I think that was more... I, you know that 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 he did it here and he did it with smile again another another guy coming out for a no code song how cool is that but you know he took over the stage when he sang his parts in this and he made the song feel like it was his maybe more than any of the other performers on these two nights it just feels like this was a Glenn Hansard song in that moment His chemistry with Ed is very apparent, and you know that they've been really good friends for a very long time. We'll go back to to the Flag Day record that, that that they wrote, and you know it just brings a sense of fun to the stage. This is the first sign of the rest of the show feeling like it's a celebration of something, and it's it's the perfect moment to do that. You, you needed it. I, I think you didn't have a guest in this encore yet, and. Uh, he, he was the perfect person for the for this time, and, and you're about to end this very small part. It kind of feels like all this is leading to, again, what's going to be another Temple of the Dog reunion. So uh, this is probably, like, you know, although No Way is a huge highlight here, too, Smile takes over this encore and uh, is a huge memorable moment from this. Uh, it's it's not very often that you get Glenn out there doing, uh, doing with Ed. And, uh, yeah, just... just Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah. Ed yeah. talks about technology before getting into Spin to Black Circle. Mentions that 3,000 used record stores have closed. If there is still one existing, like a tree, please water it and keep it healthy. Look at where we are now. If you told yep. him that now, yep. like, like how thrilled do you think he would be to know that record stores are now budding and blossoming like he, he, he is pleading at this moment? 
Yep. They, they yeah, record stores are, are booming right now. People are people are into it. Yeah, it's it's a great time. So Spin the Black Circle is gonna close your set and I think that's kinda their little tribute to their their love for music, their love for records, and their love for sitting down and being a kid and and, and enjoying all of it again. Cause I think that right there is just enough to give you a stamp for 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 this encore and and you got ed doing a couple theatrical things like smashing the mic stand afterwards and and mike is doing his usual running around in a circle and and i think i just remember hearing it and being like okay now i'm if this is how you're going to end the main set i want more and this feels like at the point of the last night at the point in night one where they were almost done and they could have expanded that show and it feels like you know that there's so much more on the way from this point on so here's where you get into encore two and um you're going back to the well this is going right back into temple of the dog reunion stuff and ed before chris comes out says one of the first people that he met outside of the group was Cornell and he had no idea how to affect his views on life and friendship. His impact is profound. Uh, they come back on stage together and Chris, uh, it says it dawned on him that he hadn't wished them a happy 20th birthday. And it says he, they have an easy 20 or 30 left in them. They've got through half of that. So yeah, I'd say there's at least 10 to 20 left in yeah. that. Sure. Yeah. They start this, their little reunion set with Hunger Strike this time instead of it, like last time they were finishing with it. Um, yeah, you know, I was a lot more negative uh, on this in night one. I, I think I got that all out. I think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna talk about what these are for what it is at this show. And um, I think these are good moments. I, I you know these are good songs that they hadn't played in a very very long time, and I think it's striking back memories to when they were young and when they were just having fun on you know at the more rock candy or, or wild blues and this kind of this brings you back to that yeah it's it's 1990 and you can see it in ed's face like every time we talked about it with the bridge school every time he's with chris he just like he gets the glazed look in his eyes like yeah. oh this is my dude like <laughs> he's you know he's thinking about it and what struck me from Hunger Strike was just Cameron watching Matt just beat the shit out of this. Like, that never occurs to me to listen to the drums because, like, Chris's voice is so powerful on it and the two of them singing together. But Cameron, just a really standout performance on this. If you go back and watch, like, he's just on fire on this version of Hunger Strike. Sounds, Hunger Strike sounds really good.
so we're mixing it up a little bit. Mixing it up, yep, you're getting Call Me a Dog and All Night Thing, which I'm going to kind of lump together, because outside of, like, just them performing, you know, I think there's a bigger thing of saying that the first night they were playing songs for a reason. They were playing Say Hello to Heaven as sort of a tribute to Andy, and everything is a tribute to Andy, because that's what the whole record meant. But I think these ones are just, let's just get back into these ones that we haven't played in a very, very long time. And I don't think either of these songs they had played in the Pearl Jam setting before. Oh, never. Yeah. Not at all. And they're a little more mellow, too, you know. Right. Especially All Night Thing is one that that really stuck out to me because, you know, I hardly ever go back and listen to Temple of the Dog. I mean, but, you know, you you remember Hunger Strike, of course, Say Hello to Heaven, Reach Down, maybe. But All Night Thing is one that I hardly ever even think about but hearing it here it was, it was really cool like i really like this song i think it's one of the best on that record I'm i glad they played fully it. agree i think it just has such a a beautiful tone to it just the harmony yeah. in it and like and he builds his voice kind of like bridging the gap between sort of the verse chorus deal and ah man it there's something to it there's there's a warmth to it that maybe you don't get from the other Temple of the Dog songs. Maybe you get them in different ways, but like this, just the chords are 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 warm sounding. They're softer. Call Me a Dog is a little bit more kind of drenched in the grunge sound a little bit, but All Night Thing yeah. feels like it's a little bit evergreen. That you can play this in any era and you can just yeah, say, it's a wow. great song. Yeah, great just song. enjoy the song for what it is. Uh, I am a little disappointed in retrospect that they didn't do a footsteps slash times of trouble medley thing because that would have been very cool and again telling the story of what that song was and what it became you would get the jimmy fallon week shortly after this right so you got Uh, two years after yeah two years after so that's in a way chris's tribute to footsteps yeah for sure but um to see the two songs together would have been would have been interesting but they instead of doing that they go back to reach down uh being played for the second time because chris claimed that they fucked it up the night before i it it wasn't yeah I, I, I thought it was missing something on night one. I think we'll maybe mention that, that, like, it felt like there, you know, there was that moment where, the before the solo, where the crowd's like, oh, shit, here we go. Like, this is going to be 15 minutes of just Mike going nuts. And it didn't really happen. I think he he let loose on it a little more on this one. This is, yeah. I think it gets there a little more. Still not a 15-minute version. I think it runs a little, like, right around eight, but... Yeah. He felt like he was, Mike was feeling a little more on this one than on night one. Yeah, I think it was more intense than the first night, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, look, you know, it's it's what he does best, and a lot of people will say that Reach Down should be his, the thing that he's known for most, the thing that, like, yeah. defines his yeah. sound. So that could be an argument that we can have at another time, or we leave it right here and say it's it's one of his best which which look can stand toe-to-toe with even flow i think that's a conversation to be had
thank Chris, and, and Stone thanks, thanks Chris as well, as, uh, as he leaves to a big standing ovation. And Ed says he doesn't think they'll ever do that again, which they did hunger strike at Bridge, but that, that was the extent of uh, at least at a Pearl Jam show what Temple would do. But at least Temple got one last run in 2016, which was very, very good. Uh, but mentions that the, the next one that they're about to close the second encore uh, with is a song that they played at the end of shows when crowds were down to about 80 or 90 people. Uh, they don't get to play it that often, and definitely not with Mark Arm, Steve Turner from Mud Honey, Sonic Reducer, Sonic Reducer. Here. Uh, but also, I, how many times have we seen Sonic Reducer being played with Mud Honey? It feels like if there's one that they got to be on, it's usually this one. Mm-hmm. From the Seattle oh, yeah. performances, and it, it, it's happened multiple times. So, yeah, uh, another great guest to kind of fill out your night and to fill out the big moments of the of this night and to make this feel uh, celebratory of this just being the 20th anniversary. Uh, you know, sometimes they mention it, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just like, all right, let's just let's just play and and, uh, and make it a show. But when you see the guys in Mud Honey there with them and celebrating like this, it does feel kind of like okay, you're you're waiting for the balloons to come down after that out of the raft, rafters because it's just it feels like it's that kind of celebration. But they don't do that stuff here. They, they, that's not who they are. That's not what they're doing. But it's that big of a celebration. And Sonic Producers a train wreck here, and I love it. Like Ed. <laughs> fucks up the lyrics right from the beginning it's no one knows when to come in people are missing he just doesn't need a mom and dad yeah it's uh it's fantastic the sonic reducer is always great but this is not one of the one of the more uh tighter performances of it no and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be because you know again it's a party environment everybody's enjoying themselves everybody's probably had a little bit too much to drink and uh, yeah, the, and it, it's kind of ending your section. I, I remember that Steve kind of like got up after this, and I'm, I'm like, "Hey, they can't be done. You know that, right?" They're like, "Well, if you end on Sonic Reducer, that's a good way to end." I'm like, yeah, but they're not ending this night on Sonic Reducer. There's absolutely no way that they can do that. They got three songs that are absolutely pivotal to not just Pearl Jam, but the Pearl Jam show experience that need to be played in this instance. And of course, they're going to come back out. There's going to be a third encore. They're going to play it. While Ed's thanking everybody, he kind of has this hesitation moment. And I always remember this, where Stone out of nowhere think, thinks Ed is done talking. I've been in a band too long. I can't I don't know why I always remembered it, but I think it's just one of those that at that moment you're like, oh shit, I, I, I know that, I know that I can hear it, and and can we get a little bit more of that, please, please? And, you know, you're then just kind of waiting for Ed to, to thank guys like Boom and, and, and Matt for, for sort of being there and keeping the band together at points where they didn't think that they would be. And then you get the riff into a live. But we get all three of these. We get the bread and butter. I might have even said it that day. I might have even used the same exact terminology. You need to go home with the bread and butter. There's no, absolutely no other way to go. You need a live. You need rocking in the free world. You need yellow lead better. I like if there is a different decision from this night, 
then it's from somebody that doesn't know what this band is. Yeah, it couldn't have ended any other way. Absolutely not. And I think from the the biggest perspective here is rocking in the free world, and everybody's out on that stage, just clapping and dancing along, and and you know guys switching up instruments, and uh, oh yeah, everybody just having a good time on this. Like this is this is the one where they're they're trying to give back to everybody who who stepped in and and helped out that weekend. You can tell they're just having a blast. It's a party. I think Mike gives up. He just hands his guitar to someone. He's like, here, you play. I'm done. That's Rick Frill. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it's the, but I think that even Mark Arm shouts out Stone after. I, I think it's Stone doing the solo. It's an amazing it solo. Yeah. And Mark Arm shouts about Stone Gossard. <laughs> like he's just shredding. Like oh, Stone like has his moment. You know, you, you know, you talked about Jeff had his moment during Jeremy. You know, Mike has his moment during Reach Down. You know, Chris and Ed have their moment, and all the guests and everything. And Cameron had but, his during Hunger Strike. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, this is this is a Stone moment. It's just a fantastic Rock and Free World. You I mean, you even lose track of like where where people in the band are because there's so many people on stage. Yeah, Ed's running around. He's got tambourines and Jeff is going back behind to where all, you know, the the backup the backup singer spot. Yeah. And there are a couple guys He's the I, first one. He's the first one to give up his instrument, I think. I think so too. Yeah, I'm not sure to who, but uh, Danny Harrison's also playing during this and I think he's playing his yeah. own instrument if I'm not yeah. mistaken. But the yeah, guy, I think he came out with a guitar on. He yeah. did. Yeah, the guys in the back outside of Glenn and Liam might have been back there, but I think Liam was out in front. But some of the guys have have drumsticks and they're playing on the amps. I thought that that was kind of cool. Yeah. And some yeah. of those guys you can recognize from the other bands. Some of them, some of them that you don't. Again, it's it's a thank you to everybody. It's a thank you to the crowd. And uh, you can't celebrate your birthday being by yourself. Uh, that's no fun. And it's very selfish. Uh, you have to celebrate it with the people that got you to where you are. And, uh, you know, that's where they were at their 20th. And uh, at their at their 30th, whenever they do decide to celebrate their 30th, it'll be the same exact thing. They'll just be celebrating with a bunch of great opening acts and bands surrounding them and fans surrounding them and friends and it'll be the same kind of thing and uh yeah whenever whenever that does happen it'll it'll be great one of the things i actually i do want to mention i we didn't bring up in the last show was just kind of from the aspect of like special guests that could have been showing up on this night and you know i'm wondering if they really wanted Neil and I'm wondering if Neil had a prior commitment because a week later Neil shows up in Toronto and plays with them on Rockin' in the Free World in Toronto yeah so I'm, I'm wondering if that was a sorry I missed your call but I'll be there yeah I think so for that yeah. so and then and, so. and that's a good moment in and of itself that kind of stands alone and yeah Yeah, that's a fantastic show oh absolutely absolutely and one that's coming on it's it's 10 10th anniversary too that i'm sure when we talk about you know the 9-11 tribute thing that that we'll be writing for the website i'm sure that that one's that one's going to come back around as well so uh yellow lead better ends your night here mike is is star spangled bannering the way that a pearl jam show should end whenever it's big and uh, there are a lot of thank yous and a lot, and just a one big massive band bow, and that's how you know that they have thought they thought that they've done something huge. Is when the whole band gets out in front and bows, 
to the crowd. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, that's when you know you've seen something big. So that's the massive weekend celebration had come to an end at that point, and that's your realization that, okay, time to say goodbye to Wisconsin, time to go back home, and uh, time to get back into yeah. real life a little bit. But, wow, what a weekend. What a weekend. Yeah, I was during this, during Yellow Light Better, I was watching because, you know, you see, you know, once the end kicks in, you know, everybody, you know, Matt and Jeff kind of put their instruments down and, and walk they behind walk away, and it's yeah. kind of behind. And, and you can kind of see them behind, like, it's it's a it's kind of a cool moment because it's you know you're you're kind of seeing this into a moment they kind of like they hug each other and there's a lot of like there's a lot of like just congratulatory like guys you know we we got through it we did it i think is mm-hmm. we, we mentioned last week a lot of work went into this weekend a lot of logistics getting everybody there and i'm sure it was super stressful for the whole operation you know much less the band themselves a lot of pressure on putting putting on something like this and there was i think a lot of relief at the end and you could see it like i think ed and jeff kind of have a moment where they just kind of hug and like pat each other on the back and like yeah we we did and like matt and and ed have a have a moment and yeah it's just you just watch like these kind of like in the background you see them and it's it's really special so it's a really cool thing to see at the end of a show like this absolutely yep i fully fully agree and i think that a lot of that same kind of celebration is probably going to be happening and in a little over a week from now when when see here now does happen because uh boy that one's going to be a tough one to get through too and it's going to be another one that you're going to look to as one of their defining focal point moments in their history that that means something bigger than uh than what's actually taking place on stage and yeah yeah, yeah. it just couldn't couldn't have uh put put the show together better i thought i thought that this one was the one obviously from from the weekend while you got a lot of rare stuff the night before stuff that you'll never see again probably um this night had just a lot of good balance to it let's pick some moments what do you got oh tough i mean god you know you could pick 10 or 15 of them i'm gonna go uh uh love boat captain gotta be um i'm gonna go with wash at the beginning and i'm gonna go all night thing all right um you had me scared there for a second i thought you were gonna take two of my three again you only took one but <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna agree that i'm kind of channeling back to what i was thinking beforehand and thinking that love boat captain would be one of the ones that i was so excited to see ahead of time uh that you know while i i kind of don't remember that as much right now i'm going to take that and and use that as one of my moments because of how i was probably feeling then but also now dipping into the first encore uh i thought that no way just the you know the banter beforehand and the reluctance that that stone had before playing it was really funny and then the performance and I, i i see that as you see some of these songs that you get sometimes as as badge of honor and seeing that yield is my favorite record and sometimes no way just is a throwaway because they don't play it that much and people don't really go back to it i have always thought about this moment being like you know what this shows that they definitely can absolutely can so that's going to be my number two my number one a smile I I love this okay. performance of Smile. Going back to earlier in the night when Ed Ed came out with Glenn and that was a special moment and you know you could tie the two things in together 
uh yeah there's it, it, it good stuff going all around so we're gonna we're gonna have to rate this thing now and last week it was a little bit difficult i think it's gonna be a little easier this week so what do you have for it 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 i mean it's it's a classic show and it's the set list is perfectly constructed. It's a perfect mix of deep cuts and classics and, like you mentioned, a lot of like nods to stuff in their history. And the, the Temple of the Dog stuff is great. The ending like is perfect. All the guests come on and they, all the guests are great. Everyone does something that's well-suited to them. The, you get like a – he wrote a new song. We get, like, like we mentioned, an OTOTO just for this moment. There's – it's all it's got all the intangible stuff that make a make for a great Pearl Jam show. So yeah, ten out of ten. Yeah, I'm I'm right there. It is a ten out of ten on my end too. And I think that because the whole entire day just had such a good feel to it that like going into this you kinda you kinda knew that the night before they had a lot more to work up to and once in the middle of that set, you, you, there's a realization there where they're like, okay, you know that they're in a groove with this. You know that this is going to be a show that's going to be talked about for a very long time. It's very disappointing that there's no bootleg on it, but if you listen to the fan forum episode that we put out earlier this week, you will hear why that was the case, why there there hasn't been any bootleg that, that's come out. But uh, yeah, I, I but also it kind of means that your moments are, are still kept back in that time and since i hadn't really listened to this in a long time before this maybe sometimes i'll 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 go back and i'll listen to like a not for you from night one or a smile from night two or just random stuff that i I just kind of have a good memory from um yeah i i uh i haven't dug into these in a very long time so it brought back a lot of 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 memories some uh some positive and some negative and and uh Hey, if it, if it, if it makes you feel something, then then that's 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 a good thing. So uh, glad we got to these shows. These were very very highly requested shows. Probably from the minute that we actually stepped foot into the podcast universe on September seventh, two thousand and eighteen, people were like, "Oh, just do PJ twenty. Well, we we couldn't have just done PJ twenty in, in two thousand eighteen. Wouldn't have made sense. Makes sense to to have done it here and now." And uh, that's why we waited on it. So thank you for being patient. And uh, hopefully we can just cover whatever we want now. And we don't have to hit big (laughs) stuff anymore, right? Right, right. Uh, But we are going back to one of our staples for 2021. And that is to continue covering shows from Pearl Jam's home state of Washington, home city of Seattle. And since we're kind of doing it in chronological order... Uh, we are on 2002. We will be covering one of the nights from the Key Arena when Riot Act first came out. So they did some shows at the at the Showbox. Obviously, everybody knows that Showbox theater show that, that came out on DVD. That is very good. But they also did some Key Arena shows that followed those days, and we will be doing one of those. Which one? It will be one of those. I promise you that. <laughs> so uh, we are we are figuring that out. But when we do, uh, you will be the last to know because I'm sure there will be one or two other people that know beforehand. But you will know at some point. And uh, hey, 
Thank you for tuning in. Um, I hope everybody is uh, gearing up for the shows and having a good time. If you need some more content, head over to liveonfourlegs.com and read through some of the concertpedia. It's great stuff. And uh, if you've been uh, listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and you're not subscribed, head over and make sure you're subscribed so you can get the episode popped up when anything new happens. And especially on Apple, if you like the show, uh, give us a little five-star rating. It helps our visibility, which we want to make sure we are always visible to Pearl Jam fans that may need us. So I think with that being said... And this will be the last time I say this, but celebrating the 20th anniversary of the band on their 30th anniversary from 10 years ago, I think uh, I think we have done the deed and we can lock this one up and put this in the vault and uh, an archive for the rest of time. So I'll do the thing. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. I miss you always. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And, uh, hey, after next week, we might be going to a show together. So hopefully get to see you then. So glad we made it. Thought we would never thought we'd